Welcome to the MacArthur Memorial Podcast. Located in Norfolk, Virginia, the MacArthur Memorial is a museum and research center dedicated to the life and legacy of General of the Army Douglas MacArthur. The memorial is also dedicated to preserving and presenting the story of the millions of men and women who served with General MacArthur. Each month, the staff of the memorial will use this podcast to explore topics relating to General MacArthur and his times. French military historian Henri Lachouc once wrote, An old adage runs, There is no temple without a god and no throne without a guard, but there are guards and guards. Lachouc was making reference specifically to Napoleon's imperial guard, an elite unit which served as the French emperor's personal bodyguard and also as his shock troops, to whom he turned for the most difficult assignments on the battlefield. Throughout history, some of the world's most colorful and charismatic military and political leaders have surrounded themselves with a personal guard composed of hand-picked men. This practice goes back thousands of years and includes King Leonidas and his 300 Spartan warriors at Thermopylae and Julius Caesar's famed 10th Legion. Napoleon's Imperial Guard was one of the largest such guard units, numbering at its height nearly 100,000 men. During the early days of the American Revolution, John Glover's Marblehead Regiment, officially the 14th Continental Regiment, served as General George Washington's headquarters guard. The reasons a soldier found himself standing guard over his commander varied. Some commanders wanted the task of guarding headquarters to go to a unit in which they had served before attaining higher command, such as Ulysses S. Grant or William T. Sherman, who both selected their former regiments for the duty. Other units received the assignment because they had sustained severe losses in battle and were considered too understrength to be an effective combat unit. In a few cases, it was merely a matter of convenience. Whatever unit happened to be closest to headquarters was to provide the guard. But in other cases, some individual men were selected because they met a soldierly ideal. They possessed the perfect military physique and character. In this latter case, the men were picked from their units and assigned to a special headquarters guard unit, formed just for that purpose. Serving as a member of a guard was an honor. Uniforms for guard units were usually, but not always, colorful, and they distinguished the wearer from other military personnel. Being attached to headquarters also brought with it benefits not available to other troops in the field, such as better living quarters, better rations, and increased pay, as well as prestige. General of the Army Douglas MacArthur's Honor Guard was one of the most important and visible parts of the General's official family during the closing months of World War II and throughout the occupation of Japan. The members of this elite unit were selected based on their military bearing, intelligence, and physical stature. Every combat division of the U.S. Army in the Pacific was represented in the ranks of the Honor Guard. They were the best of the best, because when it came to the security for his headquarters and family, General MacArthur would accept nothing but the finest. The origins of a specialized guard unit for General MacArthur began in early 1945, but as commander-in-chief of the Southwest Pacific area, the general had been provided with the security detail since his arrival in Australia in early 1942. In April of 1942, the personal safety of General MacArthur, his family, and staff was entrusted to a select few from the 813th and 814th Military Police Companies. 
In October of 1942, MacArthur moved his headquarters to Brisbane, on the northern coast of Australia. Stemming from rumors of an assassination attempt on General MacArthur, George Waltman and five other MPs were detailed as the General's personal bodyguards. Two of them, armed with Thompson submachine guns and pistols, were with him and his family at all times. According to Waltman, their instructions were, safety off, finger on the trigger. At six feet four inches tall, Waltman, a former boxer, had been selected for the duty because of his imposing size. His stature prompted one admiral, who was meeting with MacArthur, to remark, Tell that guy I'm on his side. These bodyguards witnessed much of the MacArthur's daily activities, yet they kept a respectful distance. Boltman described the general as a gentleman of the old school and noted that MacArthur always gave a cordial greeting to his guards when returning a salute. The general's son Arthur, however, had a special greeting for Boltman whenever he was standing guard, a good swift kick in the shins. Boltman took Arthur's greeting in stride, but one day finally decided to give chase. Before Arthur could be caught, he quickly ducked into a room full of high-ranking officers, forcing Waltman to give up the chase. The very next day, Arthur gave Waltman his customary greeting once again. In January of 1945, Brigadier General Bonner Fellers, General MacArthur's military secretary, addressed the organization of a formal guard of honor for the commander-in-chief. Fellers proposed that each army division in the Southwest Pacific Theater should be represented in the Guard, and that the officers and men should be combat veterans, selected for bearing, neatness, thoroughness, character, and loyalty. Fellers recommended that the Guard of Honor be organized immediately upon the liberation of Manila. General MacArthur liked the idea, and in early May 1945, orders went out from his headquarters for the formation of an Honor Guard. Every combat division in the 6th and 8th Armies provided 10 men for the Honor Guard. The selection criteria set the bar high. Scores in the Army General Classification Test were the same as the requirements for Officer Candidate School. Soldiers had to have an impeccable record as a combat soldier, but also be between 5'10 and 6 feet 2 inches tall. In late May, Captain Raymond H. Richards reported to General Headquarters to assume command of the Honor Guard Company, which was officially designated as Company A, Headquarters Battalion, General Headquarters. Ten men of the 158th Regimental Combat Team were the first soldiers to report for duty for the Honor Guard. In mid-June, the Honor Guard Company was redesignated Company E, Headquarters and Service Group, General Headquarters, U.S. Army Forces Pacific. By the end of the month, most of the men who comprised the initial honor guard had reported for duty in Manila. The roughly 225 men and officers were responsible for guarding the Manila Hotel, where the officers of the general headquarters were housed, City Hall, where General MacArthur's headquarters was located, and Casablanca, the MacArthur family residence. In addition to the honor of being selected for the honor guard, the assignment also brought with it a return to a more civilized and normal routine than being on the front lines in the hills and jungles of the Pacific Islands. For many in the honor guard, their assignment was like heaven compared to where they had been. In late July, Captain Richards was informed that the honor guard would be in the first wave in the proposed invasion of the Japanese home islands as General MacArthur wanted to get ashore early in the landings. To prepare, the guard underwent training for the amphibious landing. 
Richards was told to expect at least 40% casualties in the landing and in the days immediately after. With the dropping of two atomic bombs on Japan in August of 1945, the war ended before the landings occurred. As arrangements for the Japanese surrender began, the men of Company E were called upon to guard the Japanese delegation during discussions with MacArthur staff. Captain Richards personally escorted the Japanese to the office of General MacArthur's Chief of Staff, Lieutenant General Richard Sutherland. Providing for the safety of the headquarters personnel and the Japanese delegation was not his only concern. Captain Richards later wrote that a crowd of about 4,000 onlookers gathered outside MacArthur's headquarters, many of them reporters and photographers who wanted to gain access to the conference. Captain Richards and the Honor Guard had to deal with some very persistent reporters, but security was never breached and the conference proceeded as scheduled. Later in the month, as the generals and dignitaries gathered for the actual surrender ceremony to be held on board the USS Missouri, Company E was given the task of guarding the high-ranking officers, both American and foreign. A handful of the Honor Guard was also sent to Japan to prepare for the generals' move to Tokyo. They were part of the first official convoy of U.S. troops to enter the city. General MacArthur established his headquarters in the former Daiichi Insurance Company offices in downtown Tokyo. The building was one of the finest in the city and was located directly opposite the Imperial Palace. The eight-story office building contained more than 250 rooms, and due to its sturdy concrete construction, it had survived the Allied bombing of Tokyo. Soon after they arrived in Tokyo, the honor guard was split in half. One half resided at the finance building and provided guards for the headquarters in the Daiichi building. The other half was quartered at the American Embassy, where the MacArthur family and high-ranking officials lived and was responsible for the security of General MacArthur's family. The guards who were stationed at the embassy saw General MacArthur's wife, Jean, and their son, Arthur, on a regular basis. Mrs. MacArthur often provided refreshments to the guards at the embassy, even those on duty. Guardsman Robert Lehman remembered being at the general's front door on a very hot summer day when Mrs. MacArthur herself came out and gave the guards a glass of cool milk and a piece of chocolate cake. Those billeted in the finance building, a building with 500 rooms and a mess hall that could seat more than a thousand, were impressed by their quarters. Frank Reed, a member of the Honor Guard, wrote, We are living in a huge modern building. Elevators and the like. The food is good and I hardly knew what to do when I went to eat breakfast this morning. I sat down at a table with a regular chair and even a Japanese waiter to seat me. By the end of 1945, the honor guard's routine was well established. When each platoon was at full strength, guards were on duty for four hours, then 12 hours off, and then were off every fifth day. The members of the company were particularly proud of the fact that they had no KP details or any other such details that they had been subject to in their old units. There was an almost constant parade of VIPs to see General MacArthur. On the fourth anniversary of Pearl Harbor, the guard at MacArthur's office door saluted Admirals Chester Nimitz and Raymond Spruance. Other notables who visited General MacArthur in Tokyo included former President Herbert Hoover, General of the Army George C. Marshall, Secretary of War Robert Patterson, and General of the Army Dwight D. Eisenhower, along with famous civilians such as Joe DiMaggio, Bob Hope, and others. The visits of dignitaries meant extra work for the Honor Guard, but it was a job they relished. 
General MacArthur kept a very regimented schedule and was usually in his office at the Daiichi building seven days a week. He would come to the office about 9 or 10 a.m. and leave for lunch about 1 p.m. After lunch and a short nap, he returned at about 4 p.m. and worked until 8 or 9 p.m. Four times a day, a crowd gathered to witness his arrivals and departures. His schedule was so rigid that everyone in Tokyo knew when he would appear. The general never disappointed the crowd. He would pause dramatically at the entrance of the Daiichi building, flanked by his honor guard, salute, and then walk to his waiting limousine. Apart from these appearances, however, the general was not seen in public. Despite being responsible for General MacArthur's personal security, the general did not travel with any of the honor guard as escorts in his vehicle. The guards were present when he got in his limousine, and they were present when he got out, but they did not travel with him despite the crowds which usually gathered to see him pass. A jeep with several armed honor guard personnel preceded MacArthur's limousine everywhere, but at a considerable distance, on the orders of the general. The guards referred to this as riding shotgun for the general, or the Wells Fargo run. In one incident in June of 1946, two women tried repeatedly to gain entrance to General MacArthur's headquarters, but were turned away by the honor guard. Several days later, they waited for General MacArthur's car near the embassy. As the car approached, one of the women threw herself in front of the vehicle. When the driver stopped, the other woman opened the door and got into the car with General MacArthur. The driver quickly removed her from the vehicle, but she had easily broken the protective bubble around the general. Fortunately, the women merely wanted to pray for General MacArthur, and behavior like this was more or less an innocent incident. Threats against MacArthur persisted, but the honor guard never had to deal with a successful attempt on the general's life. In June 1950, North Korea invaded South Korea. As the United Nations moved to defend South Korea against the communist invasion, General Douglas MacArthur was given the supreme UN command. Security at the embassy was increased as a result of the hostilities. Many of the guards were given Thompson submachine guns to carry while on duty, replacing their M1 rifles. More patrols were also ordered. In July 1950, MacArthur authorized the formation of an elite raider company for use in Korea. The company was formed from volunteers from the various units attached to general headquarters, including the honor guard. The newly formed unit became known as the General Headquarters First Raider Company. The Raiders originally consisted of 125 men and seven officers, led by Major James H. Ware. After undergoing extensive training at Camp McGill, Yokohama, the Raiders first went into combat September 12, 1950, three days before the Incheon invasion. They landed at Kunsan, about 100 miles south of Incheon, to draw the North Korean attention away from the main landing site. They lost three men killed at Kunsan and were shortly withdrawn to join the main landing force at Incheon. The first raider company eventually received the Navy Presidential Unit Citation for its service in Korea. As preparations were being made for the Incheon invasion, 40 men and two officers of the Honor Guard were sent to Korea to provide security for MacArthur and South Korean President Sigmund Rhee for when the capital city of Seoul was retaken. One of the officers was wounded by sniper fire the second night they were in Korea. The guard remained in Korea for about one month before returning to Tokyo. Eventually, the headquarters and service group also became a source of replacements. 
Men slightly wounded in Korea who were unfit for field service but were able to do desk work or stand guard were reassigned to the general headquarters, and then one of the 7,000 men in the headquarters and service group was then sent to the front in Korea. One of the guards who was transferred to combat duty in Korea wrote home, Honor Guard was never like this. In April of 1951, General MacArthur was relieved of his commands in Korea and Tokyo by President Harry S. Truman. Before the general and his family left Tokyo, the honor guard paid their respects to their commander. Many of the guard present remembered this farewell parade as being the most memorable formation they participated in during their service in the honor guard. As he departed, General MacArthur told the honor guard commander, Captain James Andrews, that the guard that day looked the best he had ever seen them. The Honor Guard Company continued on with MacArthur's successors. MacArthur's immediate replacement at Far East Command was General Matthew B. Ridgway. Ridgway was not as popular with the Guard as MacArthur had been, but bigger changes were coming. The early 1950s was a period of drastic change for the Honor Guard. In January 1953, the Honor Guard, which had been an Army unit, became an all-encompassing multi-service unit. Where it previously had been four platoons, two at the Daiichi building, two at the embassy, it was now recognized to have two platoons of army personnel, one platoon from the newly created Air Force, and one platoon of combined Navy and Marine personnel. The unit remained under army control, but as an all-branch unit, a friendly rivalry developed between the branches to see which was the sharpest in appearance. This led to an official monthly competition within the Guard to be the servicemen of the month. The Marines won four of the first seven such competitions. Another change occurred in 1953 with the integration of the Honor Guard. Previously, its ranks had been restricted to whites only. In July of 1957, what had once been the Guard of Honor for General Douglas MacArthur was disbanded. Many of the men of the Honor Guard, once their term of service was up, returned to civilian life. Others chose to make a career of the military. Nearly all of them view their Honor Guard service as one of the highlights not just of their military service, but of their lives. In 1980, several veterans of the Honor Guard, who had not been in contact with one another for more than 30 years, planned to get together. Through their planning, the General Douglas MacArthur Honor Guard Association was formed. The association held its first reunion in Kansas City, Missouri in 1981, and 34 Honor Guard veterans attended. A second reunion was planned for 1983 in St. Louis, and by the time of that reunion, nearly 400 former Honor Guard members had been located. Membership in the association continued to grow, and some reunions saw the Honor Guard visiting Norfolk, Virginia, home of the MacArthur Memorial and the final resting place of the general who they had served. While unable to attend an Honor Guard reunion, Gene MacArthur told the association, The Honor Guard was very important to General MacArthur. Only the finest were chosen, and you never let him down. I became very attached to those of you who were in regular contact with the household staff and with me. The little courtesies extended were greatly appreciated and have never been forgotten. Over time, the Honor Guard Association identified nearly 2,000 servicemen who served in General MacArthur's Honor Guard. Of that number, all but a 100 of them, or their next of kin, were found. As with all the members of the greatest generation, the shadows are lengthening for the Honor Guard. The story of the Honor Guard continues, however, 
providing an interesting glimpse into many of the pivotal moments in the history of World War I, the occupation of Japan, and the Korean War, not to mention some wonderful insights into General MacArthur's life and duties. Thank you for listening. We look forward to continuing this dialogue with you. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to contact Amanda Williams at amanda.williams at norfolk.gov.